1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Radio Red in the house. Happy to be here. We are brand new to the Empowerment Channel on Voice America World Talk Radio. We've been on the Variety Channel for a couple of months, and we have moved over. So hello, hello, hello to all of you global listeners here on this wonderful channel. So happy to be here. This show is called Read My Lips, and you're not on Zoom watching me, but there's a beautiful banner behind me. Yes, I design most of it. Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. My name is AKA Radio Red, and all we talk about on this show is creativity. Were you born with it? Can you learn it? What do you do with it? It's not about did you have Wheaties on Tuesday and you got creative and had Cheerios on Wednesday. It's about how you live your life. How do you approach life? Do you take risks? Do you take chances? Do you think and act outside the box sometimes? Do you do things you never thought you could do? Do you say, wait a minute, this lifestyle isn't working for me. I'm going to try something completely different, either cold turkey no pun, Thanksgiving's next week, or you gradually change something, a job, a family situation, a living situation. You take on a new art style. You take on a new hobby. That's a dirty word, five letters. I'm the only one of the universe who still says hobby. Passion, that's the word today. So today I have two really, really interesting guests. My guests range as the gentleman who introduced the show. By the way, that's the voice of the wonderful Ryan Treasure, the VP of Operations at World Talk Radio Voice America. And he's my co-producer on a couple of my many, many radio shows. So thank you to Ryan. I talk to designers, whether they're app designers or home designers or office designers, whether they're clothing designers. I speak with artists, visual Visual artists, sculptors, painters. I speak with musicians and composers, people who teach music to kids and others. I speak with almost anybody who has something creative in life that they might not have known was in them when they were younger or even when they were older. People who lead creative retreats around the world and people who say, hey, I have a uniform to wear at work. And you know what? It it itches and scratches. I'm going to go out and design a whole new line of clothing for women. Anyway, it's very, very interesting. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my two guests, and then we're going to have them introduce themselves, okay? So first up, somebody I met at the virtual National Publicity Summit, where I've been a media guest for about 10 years now, and we do a virtual summit now a couple times a year. There's one coming up in three weeks, and I get to sit on Zoom for five hours and meet Two and a half minutes on the clock, they get to pitch me. People like my first guest. She is I I don't know what to say about her. Her name is Lois Stark. She's an Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker and she has written a magnificent book there's nothing else I could say the magnificent the telling image shapes of changing times and Lois will tell you a little bit more about it but the photos are gorgeous she has traveled the world as a documentarian I think that's a word and we're so thrilled she's here Lois is going to talk about creativity and cultures creativity through photography creativity through am I right Lois you're going to talk about all this Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely see. she's she's a wonderful guest already. I'm not going to say anymore, but we're thrilled to have lois. she's she's a real pro. And the book, not only are the visuals magnificent, she's one heck of a writer. it It flows like poetry and prose. And you feel like you're peeking into history, modern and, postmodern and beyond way, way years ago in different cultures. Just beautifully written. Lois, bravo on your book. And also joining us today, he wants me to call him Pete, but he's got a longer name. His name is Peter Michael Marino, and he keeps saying, just call me Pete. I said, okay, I'll call you Pete. He's a New York City native. Well, I am too. I grew up in uh, in Queens. There you go. He's worked okay. extensively as a producer, a director, a writer, a teacher, a performer, all the things I look for on the show, and his work has been seen on five countries. Oh my goodness. And he was crowned a pandemic performance pioneer. OMG. <laughs> I didn't know such a crown existed. I want to know, does it have laurel leaves on it, Pete? Or or is it gold or does it have st- yeah. yeah. Yeah, Invisible. Well, I, I think your head is shaved. It's a very nice crowd. Off-Broadway, he was in Stomp for five years, and he wrote the libretto for the music of Desperately Seeking Susan, featuring the hits of Blondie. I love Blondie. So I'm calling this episode, Read My Lips, Thinking Creatively Outside the Box, or What Shape is your creativity in? That's the second title. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's have each of my panelists spend a couple minutes telling us who they really are, aside from the bio I read. Lois Stark, you're up first, my dear. I'm putting you on speaker view. I'm so happy to have you, Lois. I'm actually very honored. Somebody of your caliber, uh, you're very impressive lady. So Lois, Tell us the real story. What does creativity mean to you and who in the world are you really? Go ahead, Lois.
2: Well, it's a thrill to be with you, Red, because you bring out creativity in everyone. And I think creativity just means you see the world with curiosity and you ask questions and you look for new perspectives, new connections and seeing things freshly. And those are the very um, windows that a documentary filmmaker has to use. You would land in a foreign country and uh, have have to look for something visual that sums up the culture because we, uh 30% of our brain is in visual functioning. So what is it that's going to tell us how we glue the world together? What, how do we make order out of things? And I remember landing in uh Africa and I was in a tribal ritual and I was trying to think, how do I tell this story? And suddenly I noticed that the women were dancing in a circle and the, shelters were circles and the settlement was circles and they were celebrating a life cycle ritual. And so I I realized that everything about the scene was seeing the world as a web, recycling and recurring. And the very next day I filmed in Monrovia, the uh, capital of Liberia, and it was a military parade and the soldiers were lined up row by row, shoulder to shoulder. So they kind of looked like graph paper going before for your eyes. And uh, the generals that they were saluting to were also in a straight row and had all their awards pinned on their chest. So Mm -hmm. they were announcing their own place in a hierarchy. So it made me ask the question, Why did humans go from this cycling world so connected to nature, which was 90% of human existence, all controlled by nature? How could that possibly change? But it did change, and we went into seeing the world as a ladder, linear thinking, measurement-based, hierarchically organized. So from pyramids to skyscrapers, we got to today. And today, if you put together a web and a ladder, you get the helix, which is our DNA symbol. And if you imagine that breaking open, you have the network, which is the master of our lives today for banking and socializing and information. So these shapes are embedded. They're not always directly in our face. But probably if if you woke up this morning and you likely woke up in a rectangular room and reached for a rectangular device Mm -hmm. and stepped out into a city like out as a grid and you were never even aware that shapes were shaping you, but we can reshape it and we can look for what's next and what's next may be a donut shape.
1: Lois, absolutely fascinating. And while you're speaking, I'm going to get Peter's uh, input here for a second, but Lois, while you're speaking, I'm thinking, we often say, I need to think outside the box. So we have the box, the, the paradigm, right? And sometimes you'll say, I'm running around in circles, Right. Exactly. (laughs) Peter, what? I want to get your comments, Peter. Think about shapes. Do shape? Did you know that shapes were ruling your life, Pete?
3: You know, it's funny. I uh, just had to clean out uh, this studio, which is also my office, or was my office (laughs) before. You know what? Yep. And I found a painting, a print that I bought, like when I first moved to New York. You know, I was like, oh, it's art. Like somebody's selling art in Soho. Let me buy this little thing. And it was, it, was, it was a print of arrows pointing in all different directions. And it just really appealed to me. Um, and uh, for some reason, it, it went into storage uh, a few years ago. But arrows are completely my mojo. <laughs> I am very much about like, following w- whatever the universe or my brain or my heart is telling me. I rarely question my direction. Uh, luckily, I have supportive people around me to tell me <laughs> maybe that direction is a little risky. But, yeah, I don't really think in terms. I, I wish I did <laughs> uh, because I think that's part of why I sort of bounce around from people. Uh, you know, uh, interest to career to place. I, I just love being in different. I'm doing it right now. I'm you doing are. If you could see it's like ha- Adams it, it's like Adam. also
2: Lois. Me, go ahead. Makes me think how much theater actually comes with shape. So many uh, of the uh, stages are rectangular, and then. Where you put the spotlight would be more like where how you want to tell the story, and that could be the story of a
1: society is it circular or is it something a little more linear? And and yeah. Pete, I don't know if you remember Westbury Music Fair on Long Island. I used to sure. go, I worked for uh, as a stringer, meaning unpaid reporter for Lois, you'll get a kick out of this for Long Island Entertainment News. And the what was it called? The M. Not the imposter, the improbable, the I it was a, a name of an entertainment magazine, the the in something or other. I'm losing. It. I have copies of it here. The improbable, <laughs> the something, the impertinent. I don't know what it was. Anyway, they give me free tickets to concerts at Westbury. But why I'm bringing this up, Westbury Music Fair, which was renamed many times, with theater in the round, Lois, yeah. and theater. Mem- Go ahead. You are a part of it. You're in the show. <laughs> and it was, it was fabulous to see the, perf- I, I saw Patty LaBelle and Joan Rivers and um, Johnny Mathis and, and Neil Sedaka. And I would write my report, the, Im- the Improper was called the Improper, and it was a big, large, oversized newspaper slash magazine. It was I was bound with uh, staples on the on the middle, and and I had an entertainment column, and they would get me the tickets, and I go in as press, and I have my little badge around my neck, and I would sit in on the aisle seat in row fourteen, and I had a little. What was the camera? A Kodak DX6390. I probably have the number wrong. Digital camera, not my phone. And I could take perfect pictures, Pete, of the celeb. I have a picture of. A uh, Patty Labelle dressed in her, her pink fur coat. So I have a picture of Joan Rivers sitting on the stage with her feet crossed, looking at the the soles of her beautiful flat pump shoes she was wearing. I have a picture of Neil Sedaka at his purple piano on the stage. I could do this without a flash from the fourteenth row yeah. of Westbury, and it was just it was so Lois Theater in the Round. What a concept! And the theater Pete rotated, I think, sometimes. They rotated it, or it was just they just walked around the stage. I think the no, they just
3: walked around.
1: Yeah, it was it was. I'm
3: thinking uh, of the Space Needle. What do you think of? Well, they would sometimes have a revolve on the stage yes. that moved the sets around, and sometimes they would just block off like a you know an eighth of the audience so that they could change the scene back there. Yes, uh, the last people I saw at Radio City uh, at Westbury Music Fair, Stephen Eady, Stephen. No. Edie. No, yeah. Edie Gourmet. A life-changing experience. Like, I,
1: that's a gourmet treat. <laughs> it it yeah. is. And I have to tell you that my little Latin band called Red's Hot Mango, one of the songs we play that my, my Latin, native Latin speaking lead singer, who's a retired physician for the U.S. Coast Guard. And one of the songs he brought me is Edie Gourmet's 1957 version of Peel Canela. P-I-E-L-C-A-N-E. And he likes to say to everybody, I don't know why, she was Jewish, but she sang in Spanish once in a while. And I don't know what
0: one thing has to do with
1: another. But, True. but I have to tell you, if you can find it, just go on YouTube and look at Peel P-I-E-L Canella. And it's such a wonderful, lilting, little love song, romantic song. And I play it, I draw, I'm the drummer, and I just loved it the minute I I heard it, but it brought back memories, Pete, of Edie Gourmet. And I the, think you, go ahead, Lewis.
2: A theater in the round really places you on high alert because you're right there with it and you listen more and you feel more because it's so immediate and I think that's the same premise as very early cultures that lived in circular settlements and circular homes they felt so connected to everyone
1: else yes Yes, there there was even
2: um language, like there was no word for you in the Dagara tribe of Africa, but the closest translation of their word for you meant my other self. And that's what actors do. They play our other selves.
1: (laughs) Pete, now is your intro for your chance to give us your full (laughs) bio, because I just gave a little tiny snippet of who you are. And when this is done, when you're done with your bio, Pete, and Lois responds to you, we're going to do my usual housekeeping about the day of the year and how many days left till... Just got awful year is over and the famous birthdays and the november holidays okay so pete talk you're up tell me i i know who you are but tell my audience please what's (laughs) the secret behind being you go ahead
3: (laughs) well i'm not giving that away because (laughs) nobody would want to buy that secret uh but i can actually jump off of uh what we were just talking about about theater in the round for me the, the the theater in the round is being able to see the audience experiencing something so mm. I'm very much of the belief that theater must be shared experience in every way possible. Um, when I go to the theater, and this is probably because I'm a director, but I watch the audience. That's just what I do. Um, and as a producer, that's what you have to do. You've never watched the show. You just watch the audience. And when there's a lull that's when you take a note for the writer or the director to do something. So, uh, and it's funny because as, as my career has sort of, uh, uh evolved, uh, which is a circle, um,
1: <laughs>
3: uh, I'm becoming more and more respectful and reliant and putting the spotlight on the audience, um, to, 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 to make it to, uh, you know, to to keep that sense of community, the shared experience, we're all in this together. It's not up to the person on stage solely. Um, And as the, you know, COVID came and changed sort of all of our performing artists, we're all doing something different. It was really important to me that I still did my shows in a shared space. And after a lot of work, (laughs) which is what theater is, figured out how to have an interactive show where people did not go crazy with sound dropping out and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Pete, how did you get the
1: label of pandemic performance pioneer? I have to know.
3: Because, (laughs) uh, so the lockdown, I believe was the 13th, Friday the 13th. And I sort of, I don't know if I sensed something was coming, but I just started like researching, researching. And this thing called Zoom came up. And I was like, this looks like an interesting way to do what I think I want to do. And by the 18th, I was doing a show, Uh, like uh, set up like set up a ticket thing for it, figured out how to make the link go an hour before the show, like the whole deal. And um, it was a show. It was a it was a one man show, storytelling show Mm -hmm. that I had actually done in 2012, 2013, 2014 about my experience writing Desperately Seeking Susan. And um, a week and a half before lockdown, we were doing the Frigid Festival at Under St. Mark's and The Crane, and somebody dropped out, and at the last minute, they said, can you just come in and do a show? And I said, well, I haven't looked at Desperately Seeking the Exit in 6,000 years. Let me do that. (laughs) Uh, And I basically just read it, did what I remembered, and I could not believe how the audience responded to it. But I think it was also because I'm older now, and I'm able to look at what I wrote in the past in a different way. Um mm-hmm. so it just had more nuance and and more flavor and a little bit more edge, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly much more comedy. Um so the script was on my desk, and I thought, well, if I'm gonna do a show, it has to be that one. So that's what I did. And I didn't memorize it. I kept the we all know very clever ways of hiding our. Scripts up here or over here or whatever oh, yeah. we have to do. Oh, yeah. You no, know? And I just I pretty much told everybody right off the bat, look, this is a whole new world we're in right now. Yes. Uh, I'm going crazy. I'm not memorizing lines. You paid ten dollars. I'm <laughs> going to be reading my script. <laughs> and I continued that for about. I think I did about 32 shows. Wow. Um, But was so great was I was sharing my story with the entire world, uh, which I've done a little bit because I've done Edinburgh about six times. But I mean, this was seriously like people tuning in from all different time zones. It was really fascinating. Um, so then the natural progression was to adapt my kids' show, which I had been doing for two, two and a half years. Uh, it was supposed to be going out to LA in March. Uh, that didn't happen. So I took four weeks to adapt the stage show that is incredibly interactive. Kids are on the stage. You know, I have a fish right here. It's a- hold, touching it still, props. hold it
1: still. Hold it still. Hold it still. There you go. There you go. Okay, good for the video. Go ahead, Peter.
3: Touching props, moving sets, moving costumes. That's not going to happen here. How can I adapt it so that the kids can participate at home? Uh, that became a thing about holding up your name and what city you're from. Pete, New York and What found up being cool about that was like, you know, uh, just last week, there were people from Orlando, from Canada, from Los Angeles, from Brooklyn, from uh, 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 Heathrow. I mean, it was really cool. Um, so I didn't tell you anything about what I did, but what I've done in my life all led to all those things I just talked about.
1: Thank you. Absolutely fascinating. And, and I you made a comment about looking at it from the audience perspective, not just you as a performer or a producer. And Lois has a lot of wonderful quotes in her book from people, very famous people, a little obscure, but probably famous outside of my circle of knowledge. I'm using that, that shape again. Uh, but one of them was from one of the astronauts, and he said, when we went into space, We thought we were learning about other planets, but we were really learning about our own Earth. Lois, I'm paraphrasing very generally, but the idea of becoming an audience to your own audience, becoming the outside view of who are they really and
3: what? Am I right, Pete? Who? What? What do they need? You know, I do. I mean, I'm I'm a marketer also. I teach how to write press releases, and it's not really about press releases. It's about who is your audience? Who needs your product? Yes. Why are you trying to just tell your show about, I don't know, being an army brat uh, and having a drug problem to the whole world? Why don't you focus on people who want to see themselves reflected in a story that no one's talking about? So uh, I completely agree that um, you have to find your audience and uh, everybody wants something. Um. And there's plenty of people who don't want what you're selling. So don't bother with them.
1: <laughs> That's true.
3: Lois, know what your story make... is.
1: Lois, any comments back to Pete? Well, I was
2: thinking of our moment in time bringing all these things to the surface. And it's almost as if we were all participating now for the first time in this common global thing called COVID. And if you take uh, the very word co and vid, it and the vid is like a root word meaning to see, then we're all seeing together something Mm -hmm. for the very first time. And there's another line in the book. It's oneness is not sameness. So you can be alive with all around the world, uh, participating, seeing, speaking, uh, and it isn't pre-produced. It's really that exchange that's happening freshly. And so we are recreating a world in this moment of this reset button. And it's a little bit like theater because we make up our own stories freshly each day because all of the old stories now are no longer
1: Absolutely. And I will tell both of you that on my business radio shows, and I have, I have, I've started over 52 different radio series as producer and host. I do about between 225 and 250 live radio shows a year for the past several years. And I've come up with what I call a thought leadership format, but I tell people you're not coming here to read a script. We're not doing a webinar where you each get 10 slides. We're not timing you on how many things you can say we're not selling anything I want to know your insights on a particular business strategy or a technology topic but we're going to do it in a round table where everybody speaks in two and a half to three minute sound bites and I'm going to read a statement somebody sent me from the panel and then I'm going to have them expand it explain it unpack it just like they say on the news and I'm going to ask each of the others to agree or disagree and I said you're going to have a conversation and some of them say what I've never done this before. I said, well, it's time. You're going to grow up with me and you're going to learn how to have a conversation because this is, I said, you can't script it. You can't prepare for it. Pete, you can't read notes for a show like that because you don't know where we're going to go, which statement I is the model. I call myself, I'm the dealer and it's dealer's choice. So I'm helping to teach people in a a business setting. And some of these people are very high up the food chain, how to have a conversation. Without having to read. Anyway, I digress. You know what? Let's play a couple games, both of you. So I'm going to go back. And Lois, I have to tell everybody, I one part of your book on the latter hierarchical, I have to say this. Lois was filming a documentary in Abu Dhabi in 1969. Now, here we are in 2020. Do the math, kids. That's I'm not telling you how many years. At the beginning of its catapult, Pete, you're going to love this. From a sheikdom of Bedouin nomads to a modern metropolis, goat hair tents dotted the desert just outside the town, men in white robes with falcons on their arms stepped into their Mercedes-Benz cars, ready for a desert hunt. If that isn't a contrast, but here's what Lois said. She said, quote, I was an unfamiliar sight, an American female in my 20s wearing Western dress. The day of the filmed interview with Sheikh Zayed, the leader of Abu, D- Abu Dhabi, he asked me, will you tell the story from your head or your heart? And I replied, both, I hope. That to me, Lois, just, Pete, was that beautiful? Just yeah. absolutely jumped off the page. Lois, your, your writing is, it's delicious. It's lovely.
2: Thank so. you. That The credit in that scene goes to Sheikh Zayed because he really had his people in mind. He knew the world that they had for a, Uh, millenniums was disappearing, and he was really trying to be sure, almost as a parent would, that the
1: world that they would enter would be kind to them we can only hope. Now let's go to some of my opening. I will tell you, I always do a shout out and I want you both of you to say, hello, LLL. I'm going to count to three. Let's do it. One, two, three. Hello,
0: hello,
1: hello LLL. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And I've been threatening to take up a Kickstarter campaign because I need to move her to London because Pete, she lives in Whitestone and it doesn't start with the letter L. Somebody suggested Larchmont. We Laura said, no, that's not sexy enough. We want to go to London. So so we're gonna start a Kickstarter campaign here to move. I'll go. <laughs> we'll all go. We'll all go, will we'll go. go move to London. I'll call my friend Brad and he'll he'll help you move, Laura. So lovely lanky Laura legs and she always I'd say 95% of the time, emails me within five minutes of the end of a show and tells me how much she enjoyed and what she got from each of my guests. She'll send me a little synopsis of what you said and what resonated. So, Pete talking about speaking to the audience and what do they need and what they want. Laura always gets something out of these shows. And, Laura, we're sending you love, lovely, lanky Laura Legs and I only met her a couple of times and we were dancers together at ballroom dancing on Long Island and we just stayed friends. So, Laura we're thinking of you, dear. And let's see today, November 16th. Oh my, this is the 320th day of the Gregorian calendar. Pete, say thank you to Gregory. Go ahead. Oh, thanks, Gregory. And Lois, I think his mother might have called him Greggy. So I want you to say thank you to Greggie for your calendar, yeah, Greggie.
2: Appreciate it.
1: There you go. And I'll say Gregor, because I don't think his mother called him. Hello, Gregorian. Dinner's on the table. Must have said something. But today, this is a leap year. So it's really the 327th day. Okay. Now, here's the breaking news. Both of you, I want you to really take this seriously. There are only 45 days left to the end of 2020. I'm not doing anybody else's countdown. That means if you haven't gotten anything from a liquor store or wine store, the still in your backyard, the sink in your garage where you're making something delicious and very, very strong with a high alcohol content, (laughs) you better get it done because there's not much time to get something because we're all going to toast the hellish end of 2020 (laughs) in 45 days. I don't care if you're drinking grape juice or water with colored ice cubes in it or something. It also happens to be the 46th Monday in 2020 i usually do this at the beginning of the show but i want to talk to both of you first now a couple of famous birthdays anybody know who marg helgenberger is american actress happy birthday marg she was one of the first csi uh she was uh, uh i think one of the medical analysts on uh, C- right. the original csi in las vegas right and she was a uh, Willow was her last name, I think something, Willow, Kathy Willow, something like that. Anyway, I was a big fan of hers, and she has appeared on, um, she is now a judge on all Rise, the new judge show that had one season and then COVID happened. She's a judge. I think she's a, a senior judge in uh, New York City or Boston legal system. She's a gay woman in the show. And she has very interesting politics as far as being a mentor to the younger judges. Happy birthday to Lisa Bonet. We know who she Happy is. Birthday. Happy birthday. Martha Plimpton, one of my favorite actresses. I hardly see her anywhere. But Pete, sure. there's something so quirky about her. She just opens your mouth and she's interesting, right?
3: Uh, I yes, know. I, I know her.
1: I know you do something wonderful. Martha Plimpton gets on a TV show or a movie and you say, wow, look at her. I know there's something just just grabs me. Missy Pyle, another one, a very unusual actress. She's in a show and you say, seriously but you watch her and you listen to her very captivating very charismatic in their own unique ways maggie gillenthal born today 1977 and somebody we all know and i had no idea he was so young pete davidson the very controversial actor comedian on saturday night live he's had a lot of press a lot of ups and downs happy birthday pete davidson and he's only how old? Twenty six years old. How did he do all... I know, oh I know, gosh. Pete.
3: Is that something, Lois and Pete? A lot,
2: lot, in the short years. Wow. Oh yeah, he's um, a great, yeah, creating every day.
3: Go ahead, Pete. Uh, Red. I don't. Did you have a show last Monday? Yep. Yeah. So did you talk about that it was the fifty fifth anniversary of the hugest blackout that the North, that the East Coast has ever seen? Oh no, because no, it wasn't a birthday. It's my birthday list. It oh, was like my beat. birthday. Wow. I was born in Wyckoff Heights, Queens, in the middle of the blackout. Lois,
1: shall we sing? Shall we attempt? One, no, two, three. No, no, no. Happy birthday <laughs> to, you. to you. Happy, Happy birthday to you. you Pete. Yeah, you, Pete. okay, you've been serenaded, Pete. Just, oh, he's got a uh, cupcake. Oh. I remember okay.
2: that blackout. What year was that, Pete? 65. I miss being in an
1: elevator by about three seconds. Oh my
3: God! Where was wow. I in sixty-five?
1: I'm trying to think. My, I, I think there was a blackout in sixty-eight in New York. Does anybody remember that? The summer of sixty-eight. Yes. Yes. Because that was the year my son was born, and I was. He was born in August in sixty-eight. I'm really aging, I'm dating myself here. And I was living in my parents' house with my husband. They were away at their summer house on Long Island and they let us come from, we were living in New Haven at Yale and we came down and yes, he was born in at a hospital on Long Island. We just made that decision. And I remember there was a blackout and I remember propping my swollen feet up on a box underneath the dining room table in my mother's dining room and doing jigsaw puzzles until I just ached from the water retention and I remember <laughs> we were doing it by candlelight I think yeah. it what it was a huge blackout so that was just before I it was probably early August but I digress we well, have a po- Pete, 9 months after you were born in the
2: blackout there was a huge population spike <laughs> <laughs> So you competed with a big generation.
3: <laughs> I was helping my audience grow.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Now I have some. I have some newfangled. I'm. I've never said that before. November holidays. I'm going to read them off. I have one for the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd. Okay. Yes. All those days. Okay. And these are national holidays that you've never heard of. And I want to know how you're going to celebrate. We'll do this really fast. So November 16th today, Pete, it's national button day. Are you celebrating?
3: Yes, because I'm using buttons in my new show. And I found two buttons today in my pocket from my jeans from last winter. And they're awesome.
1: You have to tell everybody you're celebrating National Button Day. Lois, have you celebrated Button Day yet? Well, creativity is tying two things together, so that's hooray for the button. There you. go. It's also National Fast Food Day. Anybody commit that crime against? <laughs> I, made well, homemade, you, you, I made homemade. Friends last friends night. <laughs> I, I made homemade chocolate pudding last
2: night. Friends at a fast food joint.
1: There you go. I'm. I made homemade chocolate pudding last night, and and. And I've come up with a new winter drink, and I take a little bit of unsweetened cocoa and an equal amount of cornstarch. And instead of sugar, I use a little agave syrup, mix it together into a syrup, add a little bit of water, stir it up smooth, real smooth, get the cocoa lumps out, add 1% milk, halfway up a cup or mug, and microwave it in a dish so that it doesn't spill over. And watch it. The cornstarch will just thicken the hot chocolate, almost like a light pudding, but not so thick that you want to eat it with a spoon. And just... Take care of it, just take care of it and do it for 45 seconds, another 30, and watch it through the window of the microwave so it doesn't bubble over because it will make a god awful mess in your microwave. You have to watch it, put a plate underneath it, and then when you take it out, it's going to be incredibly boiling hot. And you can put marshmallows or you can put some low fat or fat free uh, creamer in you want it. But I use <laughs> Briar's chocolate truffle ice cream and I stir a little bit in with the truffle candy in it, and it makes it smooth and creamy. And then I eat it with a spoon and then I drink it when it gets cool. So that's my new winter drink. It's horribly, you know what? And I'm starting my trainer again this week. I haven't let him in the house in eight months. <laughs> <laughs> I made an appointment for Wednesday and Friday. Either that or buy a, an elliptical that my son said will become my new favorite place to hang my clothes or put my laundry. And we don't want to spend how many thousands? It's, so it's I, I'm bringing trai- back. It's
2: good training for a sweet
1: year. <laughs> there you go. So I'm bringing back my trainer. He's gonna come train me too. And we, we box, I'm gonna buy a freestanding boxing bag, punching bag, okay. November 17th tomorrow. Oh, this is a good one. You better take notes. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six holidays tomorrow. National Baklava Day, National Hiking Day, National Entrepreneurs Day, National Homemade Bread Day, National Unfriend Day, and National Take a Hike. So we've got hiking and take a hike, which is the same thing. So baklava, homemade bread, go for a hike, unfriend somebody, and be an entrepreneur. Pete, does that make you dizzy?
3: Yeah, because I'm I have celiac disease so I can't have the baklava or the bread. Pass.
1: Oh, Lois, would you be having baklava tomorrow (laughs) or homemade
2: bread? Well, uh, maybe in the virtual world, I'll take a hike and have some baklava with a little handmade bread uh, (laughs) to put in the knapsack.
1: And if you pass somebody who's bothering you on the path on the hike, you'll unfriend them. You'll say, okay, (laughs) find you on Facebook. There you go. November 18th is a very special birthday that wasn't mentioned because I'm only doing today's birthdays. It's National Mickey and Minnie Mouse Day because that's their birthdays. Uh, November 18th. Pete is amazed
3: and shocked it's also they were nat- born on the they were born on the same day and they dated each other that's like two actors dating I, each other that's I know, so difficult i know we read about it
1: all the time it's also national princess day i'm not sure which princess we're celebrating now november 19th is a little bit weird it's national it's world toilet day uh, i'm sorry i said it. it's world toilet day and it's also national camp day if you put those two together, it's frightening. So let's just leave that one alone. Let's go to November 20th, which is a very fitting. You're going to love this one, Pete. November 20th is National Absurdity
3: Day. Why am I going to love that one? (laughs) Because, because,
1: no. Oh, not you personally, because I just, I just said World Toilet Day and National Camp Day, and the day after is Absurdity Day. It's not, not you. You're supposed to see the irony in the way they celebrate these holidays one after the other. So, if you haven't had enough with Mickey Mouse Day, Princess Day, World Toilet Day, Camp Day, Homemade Bread Day, Unfriend Day, Baklava Day, then you get to have National Absurdity Day in the same week. Pete, that was not intended for you. Forgive me. <laughs>
3: It's okay, because honestly, I cannot stop thinking about Toilet Day and all the things I'm going to celebrate tomorrow. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say something to you.
1: Pete, you (laughs) got to hold it. (laughs) It's also on the 20th, not only Absurdity Day, it's Payback Your Parents' Day. Now, I don't know if that means payback or pay back, if it's one word or two. We're just going to leave that alone. November 20th. that's a lifetime, not just a day. Now, there you go. November 20th is National Stuffing Day because we're getting close to Turkey day and it's world television day on the 21st and national go for a ride day on the 22nd. That's probably in advance of, I don't know. Somebody makes these up. If you go to national holidays, I think it's nationalholidays.com and look them up. They have by each day of every month for the whole year. And they're, some of them are serious holidays. They're world or national, real health holidays or political holidays, nothing too political. But these are the, the fun ones that I picked up. So there you go. So let's talk about creativity. Okay. Every let's, day's
2: worth <laughs> celebrating and
1: creating, right? There you go. So, Lois Stark, what does creativity mean to you? When did you wake up one day and you said, OK, I'm creative. I'm going to go make documentaries that people want to see. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to take phenomenal pictures. I'm going to write beautiful prose. I'm going to interview people I never thought I would meet in a lifetime. I'm a creative person. D- did you ever think I'm a creative person, or do you look back at what you everything you've done and look forward to more, Lois? and do you say, creativity in my DNA because you show pictures of the helix of the DNA. So Lois, how, how do you relate to the word creativity? Do you accept it? Do you fight it? Do you embrace it? Go ahead.
2: Happily, I had a father who loved questions and uh, loved fantasy and would uh, imagine what it was like when uh, we could speak to those on other planets and such. So I had the liberty of growing up Uh, with that uh, enlarged lens that you could imagine something and that that was a fun game to do. And then it just applied to everything else in life. And um, I think travel is one of those things that awakens you to things that are not familiar. And the more that you stretch your imagination, uh, both In the sense of what's inside your mind and also what's in your eye, because we we put the world together freshly every day and. You have to be alert to what is new in that time. And because we live in a time that's moving so rapidly, we all have to really learn to be very fluid adapters. There was um, a book called The Forecasters, and they took both experts and then everyday laymen. And the laymen would be things like... um, Uh, ballroom dancers and bricklayers and then they would ask them big uh, geopolitical questions like, uh, will Russia invade the Ukraine and what's going to happen in North Korea. And it was the layman that saw the small little changes day by day. And they came out with the more accurate predictions than the experts who had a thesis. (laughs) So, if you learn to wake up and really notice things and ask questions and expand your lens, no matter what you're looking at, no matter what you're reading, no matter where you're traveling, then you can both see those general patterns and uh, within the patterns, the unpredictability, because that's what nature is always teaching us. Both pattern and the wild variations that it comes
1: up with. Thank you, Lois. Fascinating. And, and would you say that the people who you didn't expect would have these these minute examination observations that you would never expect? Would you say that they were being creative, or is just part of their everyday life? I, I'm interested in in how you would define creativity for them. You said ballroom dancers, bricklayers. Well, bricklayers hey. can change the way the the pattern of the bricks. Talking about shapes. Go ahead, Lois.
2: Because they were able to see what was new and not just discount it. It was actually one of the first things uh, that weather forecasters learned uh, that you couldn't have um, just a summary version and be really correct. You had to watch what was so uh, changing in very small steps and then that would add up to the big changes. And, and they come to us sometimes in a very sudden and uh, dramatic way. But then when you look back, you can see the traces of what led there.
1: Thank you. Fascinating. Pete, what does yeah. creativity mean to you? Or do you want to respond to anything Lois said? Go ahead, Pete.
3: Well, again, Lois, you just you just serving them up, and I'm just hitting them out of the park. So thank you, <laughs> or or maybe I'm just striking. I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> I, by the way, I know nothing about baseball, so that was. And <laughs> was also, good. my Queens accent just came out when I said baseball.
1: <laughs> I didn't hear it.
3: <laughs> wow, I like just regressed from being born in White off <clears throat> Heights, Queen White off Heights. Oh my there you, gosh! There you go. <laughs> so uh, what I'm going to jump off is. Um, travel uh so i had to yesterday uh i had to fill out uh an application for a fringe festival in cincinnati which i've done three three festivals there mm-hmm. by the way cincinnati's awesome i just i'm like such a new yorker that like no other city is good except for maybe london but cincinnati's pretty great um and <laughs> um <laughs> And it was like, ask, it the you know, they asked very deep questions and um, uh, uh, deep for me, at least. And, and one of them was about, you know, your creativity and why do you want to share this? And um, I had to mention that, like, you know, going to Edinburgh for six years and seeing 45 to 50 shows a month there, plus the other two dozen fringe festivals I've done around the world, I'm constantly exposed to. The type of art that New York City does not provide. It did, mm-hmm. I think, in the 80s and mm-hmm. early 90s. But I think now it's we're pretty commercial here in New York City. Pete,
1: what's oh. the definition of a fringe festival for listeners around the world who aren't familiar with the term? What oh, sure.
3: So the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is the first fringe festival, mm-hmm. and it started right after mm-hmm. World War II. And after World War II, Europe wanted to rebuild and Edinburgh, Scotland said, we'll host this thing where we're gonna invite poets and writers and dancers and artists and singers from all over the world to perform here. And the comedy people and a few of the actors were like, we wanna be in that. And they said, there's no room. (laughs) So they said, we're gonna do our show in a storefront. We're gonna do it in the basement of a bar. We're gonna do it in an attic of a place. So they were on the fringe. So the I Fringe know. Festival was born. So every year Edinburgh has the Edinburgh Festival. So within, the Edinburgh, within the Edinburgh Festival is the Edinburgh Book Festival and the Edinburgh, uh, mm-hmm. do you name it? But then the Edinburgh Fringe is the like the granddaddy. The one. There's okay. about 3,600 shows that perform in hundreds of venues every day at the same time for the entire month of August. It's astoundingly exhausting and incredibly uplifting at the same time um so fringe festivals have then spun off and they happen in uh, all over canada there's an entire circuit that you can literally travel from one side of canada to the other over the course of the summer and hit all the cities and america has tons of them as well orlando being one of the oldest ones in the states and one of the largest ones So, um, yeah, every show is an hour. The audiences are hungry for new and different and weird. Um, people like me can just go to a Cincinnati for the first time and have a full house because what I'm offering is something different and new and unique. So I got to use my experience of going to, you know, you know, I don't know if you know, Lois, but you know, you fill up these applications for anything, a grant or whatever, you got to figure out like, what's my angle to build mm-hmm. this whole three-page thing that they're requiring. And it was um being inspired and getting more creative because of experiencing creativity. So some people I think, um, so I think I get it from traveling, but I mostly get it from experiencing cultures, how they look at things, and people from you know, even tiny cities in the United mm-hmm. States have their own weird culture of theater. I mean, Buffalo. I went to school in Buffalo and I go to see stuff up there. I'm blown away. Like, why is there nothing like this in New York? Ugh.
1: Because so. it's Buffalo. <laughs> because
3: it's Buffalo. No, no, no. Come on now. I no, 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 no. My can't.
1: daughter went to school in Buffalo, and I, I don't know too much about she, it.
3: Oh, sure. My, yeah, Buffalo State. Um, I just she went, went for to four University years. of Buffalo. Mid School. Yeah
1: creativity
2: is also about new perspectives and new connections and you yes. were saying that travel does that but but the age we live in does it too if you think about the astronauts they see 16 sunrises every day so a day isn't 24 hours you know and it just uh upends all of our expectation we all have to put the world together anew and 3d printing and robotic surgery i mean we're all seeing things uh from all sides now and the Zooms that you were talking about and uh, what you're doing in theater. That's all part of this seeing all sides.
3: Yes. Yeah. I come from an improv uh, background is like really one of my things. And the rule in improv is to say yes. And Mm -hmm. to your partner on stage and to any idea that's thrown at you. And I've been doing that my whole life to myself. I I come up with an idea. It sounds impossible. I'm going to do that. It's because it it's came not. to me and it feels like I should try. There's plenty of stuff that I was like, that's a bad idea. But I never get that far into something that I realize it's a bad idea. Of course, I'm feeling that now in my new project, which every artist does of course. <laughs> at, at about the three month mark. And while you're talking,
1: Pete, I'm thinking of another another metaphor involving a shape, uh, Lois. Yes. Uh, pushing the envelope. Right. The envelope is usually rectangle. Sometimes it's square if it's a fancy wedding invitation or a fancy holiday card. I don't know if anybody does holiday cards anymore. Very, very interesting. I'm enjoying the conversation because I I will tell the two of you and tell my new listeners on the Empowerment Channel, I never put my guests together because they have anything at all in common on the surface. I like to have guests who have nothing in common and then we find the threads, the commonality or the disagreements that – different perspectives on what creativity means. I never considered myself particularly creative and now I'm a drummer. I'm a global broadcaster and I'm a painter Lois and, and Pete, I have been painting. I started about a year ago, and since COVID, I think i painted 65 or 70 pieces. I now have an art gallery in my garage. I have walls near my baby grand piano that I inherited from my my lovely mother when she passed in New York. Brought it here to Durham, and I painted the walls. I think the color is candy apple red. It's a deep red, and there's two Mm. walls around the piano. So my paintings that are very dark or very red or very a black canvas with lots of color popping those go on that red wall and it just so I I don't even call myself an artist I call myself a dabbler but I am tapping into a place in my brain Lois that I didn't know was there I will sit and look at that canvas and by the way canvases are always square or rectangle do you know how annoying that is because you want to do something with curves and shapes that are going to hit the edge and and how do you frame it it's framed in it I probably need so you much to of anything. the new art is is off the wall, <clears throat> so to speak. Yes. I need to get sir, I haven't found circular canvas, but the point is that I, I sit there and look at a canvas and I just say, okay, tell me what colors you want me to use. Tell me what brushes you want me to use. I did a lot of, lot of outline with sharpies first, and then I would paint inside the lines and use glitter. I love glitter. I have sewn antique jewelry onto my paintings, onto the canvas. I do something called The City That Never Sleeps. I I do stuff that I didn't even know I could even think of. But people say, oh, do you plan your paintings? And the answer is hell no. I sit down, I look at the canvas, and I say, well, it's 1 o'clock in the morning when I like to paint or 2 in the morning. And after a busy day, and I'll just say, what, do I, what does the canvas want me to do? It, it's almost like a voice is calling me and saying, paint me figure something out and I don't know whether the colors are going to be dark or whether they're going to be very pastels pinks and blues and yellows or whether they're going to be dark royal blues and cadmium reds and a little bit of gray and I don't know purples and deep stuff I don't know I never know what's going to happen but I'm now learning to sit by stand with 85 total 85 paintings I need to be a little more selective about what I do because I don't have any more room in my house. So I try to be a little more selective about when I finish a painting. Is it done yet? Does it talk to me? And sometimes I'll leave it on the on the easel on the big kitchen counter where there's light and the sink is there so I can wash my brushes. Just lean over and wash in the sink. It's a great place to paint. Great lights overhead, great light during the daytime, and I'll just leave it there for a couple days, and I'll walk by it, or I'll put it on an easel in the part of the dining room, and I'll just walk by and say, are you done yet? And sometimes it says, yeah, and sometimes it says, no, you know I'm not done yet, Red. Just come back, think of something, and I just wait, and the other night I picked up a Sharpie and outlined little shapes on an already done painting. It's a vase, It's a vase that looks like an hourglass with little fishes inside of it. And flowers are flying past it as though they're being windswept across a a, a city or a plane. And and there are little fishes with the flowers. And it's like a hurricane of flower blossoms with this strange vase on the top left. It was on the lower right, but I flipped it. And little fishies. And I have no idea what it's supposed to be. But it's almost done, I will tell you. And speaking of almost done, we have four minutes. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to play another little game. I'm going to start with you, Pete, because I usually have female guests on my show, and I I tend to have an idea of what they're going to answer. So, Pete, if you had to leave your house, your studio, your office, wherever you are in the next 10 minutes, and I told you you could have a a cardboard box to put things in. OK, this is a little different than I usually do. A little box, three minutes to close. I got to talk faster. Thank you, Josh. Uh, it's three minutes. And you had to put something in the box. What are the three things that would be in that box that would tell us something about you, your state of mind, your cultural approach to the world, your creativity? Th- and don't tell me your keys or your iPhone uh, or, or anything like that. So what would be in that box? Pete and Lois, get ready. I'm going to tee you up next. Pete, what would be in the box? Three most important things you would leave the house with if you had to leave right now and didn't know when you were coming back. Go.
3: I would leave with uh, things to write with, okay All, and things to write on is that one thing? It's a, yeah it's that's one thing. things yeah okay. Uh, I would leave with um I would leave with um something shiny, like like little jewels, like not jewelry, but like little jewels that just like make me happy. I love and it. I would leave with um a really good moisturizer.
1: Nobody has ever said that in the months I've been doing that question at the end of the show. Lois, you can't use phone, you can't use keys, and you can't use lipstick, because you and I probably would both take lipstick. So what would you take in your box if you had to leave in 10 minutes, you know, when you're coming back? Lois Stark, go. Pen, paper,
2: family photographs, and a mask.
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh i should have said yes yes i would take a couple of masks i have wear a little flower on the side of my mask when i go when i have my massage every week i have to wear a mask the whole time so i wear a very lightweight one a paper one but i go to the spa with a fashionable mask and when i have my hair done when they refresh the red show we say i go in with a fashionable mask they give me a paper mask because we know it's going to get some color on it. on that note I'm not going to tell you what I would take in the box because I haven't decided yet, but maybe somebody will ask me next week and we're out of time. So there you go. <sighs> Lois Stark, such a delight. I'm so honored that you accepted my invitation oh, to be on the show. pleasure is
2: mine. You.
1: Your world view, your book is beautiful, your writing is, is wonderful, and you are such a, a font of great information and perspectives. And thank you, Pete. Peter Michael Marino It's the second time you've been on radio with me. You're delightful. Your energy, your passion, your knowledge of theater and of stage work and everything you do is just you just regale me with your, your verve and your, that's an old-fashioned word, and your wisdom about performing and writing and i'm so happy to know you and i'm honored to know the pandemic performer prince or whatever you're title. Of it. <laughs> and I want us to say, I want us really? to say thank you to Josh Randell. I think I remembered his last name. Say thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh Thank you, Josh, hey, Josh Randell. You. My engineer extraordinaire, we have 30 seconds. I'm aka radio red, known by other names, but not on the show. We are so happy to be here on the empowerment channel. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to find a way, use the listener comments and send me a note. If you know somebody really creative was a really good idea about creativity, I might be interested in inviting them on the show. It could be you our listeners so we're going to go now and i'm going to say thank you to world talk radio to ryan treasure my colleague and my co-crazy person at voice america radio thank you for doing the intro to the show radio red signing off everybody be safe be smart be savvy and i'm going to add one thing because we need it stay sane bye bye